1: And welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of StillCurtain.com. And joining me is my co-host, Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. For the first time this season, we have something really to look forward to here. The Steelers are coming off of another loss. Uh, Mitch Trubisky started the game. It was Kenny Pickett who came in in the second half. So we're gonna. it's going to be the Kenny Pickett show going forward from here for the Steelers. Uh, I want to talk a lot about Kenny Pickett today. Obviously, um, this is the Steelers' future now, and we want to break down how how we think he's going to fare in this rough schedule coming up and uh, what he can do against the Bills. But first, let's start with the Steelers versus Jets game. Uh, Shane, who are your winners from this game? I think the biggest winner, just because of what it means
0: for him moving forward, is Kenny Pickett, right? Because despite having an up-and-down you know, half of a debut, per se, He is now going to be the starting quarterback for this team for, you know, at least the rest of the year, obviously. And unless something were to change with injury or something, I don't see him coming back out. I think they're going to commit to him for the rest of the year, see what he can bring them in a season that, unfortunately, kind of already may be lost, especially with the way that the schedule breaks out for the next four plus weeks. Uh, He's definitely the top winner just for that sake. And then another guy that also probably will be a winner along with him the rest of the year, considering their connection. George Pickens finally had his true breakout game, right? He didn't have, you know, the crazy catch that he had in the last game with the Browns, but he, he made true impact plays more than just one time.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with those two there. I, I think Pickens is going to be a big part of the offense moving yes. forward. I'm excited to see what he brings. I mean, 102 yards on eight receptions. I know a, a big chunk of that came in that final drive when there's a pre de, defense and whatnot, but you can definitely just see the trades with him. Flashes late hands, plucks the ball out of the air. You can see when you give him a little bit bigger route tree, he's not just running goes, fades, and comebacks, that he can be an impactful player. And I think that, I, I truly think that this is one of the first receivers, maybe since Antonio Brown, that I truly think has like that Wide receiver one upside. Like I've always kind of viewed Johnson as like the the high end number two receiver, but I think that that Pickens is going to be the total package. I think that you can see that in the traits uh, when you throw it on the sidelines. I mean, the, all those things, contested catches, uh, just his ability to contort his body, win on the sidelines. Uh, even the run after the catch stuff, we didn't see a lot of at Georgia, but we saw a few really nice plays after the catch. Which this game in itself, the Steelers. I think they like doubled their yards after the catch of what they had in the previous three games. Like it was so low. We had just talked about that on the last pod. Only 25 yards after the catch combined for all of Steelers receivers in the first three games. Deontay Johnson had eight of those. And so nice to see the receivers do a little bit of work after the catch. Shane, go ahead and give me your losers for the Mm -hmm. Steelers jets. I think the
0: biggest losers are actually two receivers who didn't get the opportunities because of a guy like Pickens and also Pat Fryermuth, who also had himself a really nice day as well. Uh, Deontay Johnson and mm-hmm. Chase Claypool combined for, I believe, six targets on the day out of 26 uh, pass attempts. So not nearly the type of volume that we're used to, especially Deontay getting. I mean, he I think finished here with just four targets, two catches. he Had the one pass thrown to him that a big play that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about when we talk about Kenny's day, but zero catches. You know, he made very little to no impact in the game whatsoever. Wasn't even really good as a blocker on screens or any other plays. Like those two definitely had some of their rougher days as Steelers in general.
1: Yeah, and uh, Johnson in particular, like he was close to to making a big splash play there. Toe was on the line on that touchdown. I thought. I thought that that was probably the best throw by Mitch Trubisky this season. So far it was over the middle of the field. It was right in a bucket where it needed to be just ran out of real estate there. It makes me wonder too, if Johnson gets his toe in bounds, and I mean, it was close. Does Tomlin pull Trubisky in this game or does he ride him out? Like that's a difference in scoring seven points or not before uh, they go into the tunnel. And so, I mean, we don't know like hindsight is 2020. Maybe he would have made the switch anyway. But if he does make that big-time throw, and that's what it would have gone down as when they charted as a big-time throw, uh, that maybe would have made a difference in his mind. I don't know. I want to add maybe. to that a little bit too, Shane. You said the receivers. We'll talk about the Claypool one. I do think that he could have fought back a little bit more for that. And obviously, the throw wasn't perfect. We'll get to that. Um, I do want to say again that I am just not a big fan of Malik Reed, and I'm not a big fan of Arthur Mallette. And I think those guys our two players who killed the Steelers in this game because we can't get consistent pressure for the third game in a row without T.J. Watt. And Millette was routinely picked on, especially in those last two drives, the Jets combined for over nine minutes and 30 seconds of time of possession, just completely inexcusable. Uh, The Steelers had him at a uh, third and seven, I believe, a fourth and seven. Uh, There was a third and 14 at one point. They gave another chunk play, but it was back-to-back situations in which the Steelers could have, Potentially got the Jets off the field that Millette gave up big catches, one to to Garrett Wilson and one to Corey Davis. And so that really hurt the team at the end of the game. They could have really benefited from getting that ball back and, and having a little bit more time on the clock. And instead, the Jets chew it down to nothing and they score with 16 seconds left and leaving Pickett, obviously, no time to mount a realistic comeback at all. So there's our winners and losers Uh, let's get up to a player of the game. Do you have a player? It's been hard these last three weeks. Like when the Steelers are losing and not looking particularly dominant on either side of the ball, who's your player of the game versus the Jets?
0: I think I'll throw two guys out there. One, Minka, again, had another one of his games where he just impacted the game. And even on the interception, he's one Mm -hmm. of those guys that sometimes people say like, oh, well, I mean, a lot of his interceptions, turnovers, he's just in the right place. It's like there is a skill to that, though, in this league. Like being around the football, always trying to be around where the ball ends up. And he fought through that. I think it was ended up actually being a penalty on the Jets on that play where they kind of interfered with him trying to get to uh, Conklin, who ended up popping it up and he intercepted it. He just – he that's what he does. He's always run the ball. He had, I think, eight total tackles again. Like, he was all over the place.
1: So, I have to give him a lot of credit for yeah, still – Yeah, what about – I want to yeah. chime in, too. What about yeah. the other one? Like, you've yeah, I mean, that one. That was that's the t- challenge that Tomlin probably should have made yes. right there because, I mean, I think Deontay that toe one. was yeah. down when the ball got to him. I mean, that's another play right there. That, that could have been four he picks and four games for me. He could
0: have yeah, easily had the other interception. And, yeah, we know Tom and, and challenges don't usually end up working out too well, unfortunately. <laughs> but one of the few holes in his, his coaching resume. But on offense, again, I already talked about it before. Pickens having a 100-yard day, splitting time with quarterbacks. like that. This was hopefully what's going to be what – propels him as this team's wide receiver one, essentially. Like Deontay is probably still going to be a guy that gets a lot of targets just because he gets open so easily often. And if the line continues to hold up well, Pickett will get in rhythm and get to him. But seeing him make multiple plays back-to-back, the back-shoulder plays with Pickett and getting that figured out, that was really nice to see. And I think he really was a big part of why we were able
1: to move the ball this game. For sure. You touched on those two guys, which I, I wanted to point out as well. Uh, but I'm going to say Pat Fryermuth uh, yes. as my player mm-hmm. of the game. I think he Big was spectacular. Guy. I mean, the, the, yes. the guy going over the middle of the seam, when you throw the ball to him, you just expect him to come down with it. It doesn't matter yes. how much traffic is there. You put it in the vicinity and, and the guy's going to catch the ball. Now, some are going to argue that he had the drop on the outside <sighs> pass was a questionable throw to pick it. The ball's a little bit high. That's not, I mean, that's not a very catchable ball, obviously. It Putty, you no. caught it. He, got, he got his fingertips on the ball, but don't really blame him a lot for that one. Down the seams, though, he was a nightmare. And, and he's a guy that, I've, I've gone on record say now, just target this guy over the middle routinely. Like I want to see, I want to see fire with get like the 10 targets a game. Like I want to see him get into that level of tight end where you are just utilizing the middle of the field and just chewing up one big play after another with Pat. And in this game, I mean, he, he was able to, uh, he was able to manage 85 yards on nine targets. And so yes. incredibly efficient, um, and I want to point out as well, Friermuth now is the third ranked tight end in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, entering week five. The two names ahead of him on that list, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. That's yep. some pretty good company to be in. And it's not surprising to me either, really, after seeing Friermuth in his rookie season, I think he's at least on that like TJ Hawkinson level of player. And I think that he has a chance to be a, a top five player at his position like moving forward. So uh, I'm impressed with his performance. I've, I've kind of been that way all along this season. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. from the Steelers jets game.
0: I think the biggest takeaway for me is that this defense without TJ Watt is just kind of going to be what it is, right? Like until Mm -hmm. he's back and fully healthy, there's going to be a, a ceiling and a limit on what this defense is capable of. And you can tell, even with Minka, whenever he played really well in this game, there's going to be guys who get taken away. Hayward has been pretty non-existent this year. Not all not all his fault by any means, but they've been able to target him, right? I mean, outside of Highsmith, there's nobody else on that front seven that really concerns you very much. And, and teams know that, offenses know that. Like, if you can block Highsmith, you can block Hayward, you're probably going to be all right. And that's just kind of what it's probably going to be until he's fully back. That's something that with Pickett now in the fold, it is going to be a problem for him, I think, because unlike what Trubisky had at first, you know, the first game, especially, and even after that first game for a little bit, and what some of the quarterbacks have had in the past with us, he's not going to be able to rely on that defense as much to kind of back him up if he does make a mistake or if he does, like, you know, throw into double coverage trying to make a play. They're not going to be able to pick him up as often as some of the defenses in the past have.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. There, it's just not the same without TJ Watt. And and the, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Now we're zero seven without Watt. The Steelers give up almost a touchdown more per game, uh, less than half as many sacks when he's not Ugh. on the field. And so you mentioned Highsmith. Highsmith had a. a uh, a pretty decent game. He got a he couple did, of pressures did. in there. He he missed two more sacks. He's already that's the NFL sack leader at five <laughs> and a half. He could have had seven and a half right now. I know, he yeah. had Zach Wilson in the grasp and just wasn't able to bring him down. Uh, but that's the problem though, is he's the only one generating that pressure right now. Yeah. The double team in Hayward. I mean, we talked about Malik Reed just can't do much. Uh, I want to give my biggest takeaway as the difference we saw between Trubisky and Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett. First half. To second half Ta- tale of two stories really because the steelers offense in the first half was only able to muster up six points which is kind of right along the trend that we saw uh, all along with trubisky this year yeah. uh and three of those points came if you remember as time expired there was no time left yeah and trubisky was bailed out with a late hit on a, a pass that was intercepted then he's taking a shot at the end zone that pushed them in field goal range enough where i think boswell drilled like a 59 yarder and Something so ridiculous yeah. <laughs> it, yes it, he's Boswell's going to do his thing so right yeah uh, so six points in the first half, even with that penalty with no time left on the clock. And so we saw that go up was 14 points in the second half for Pickett. He was aided by Minka Fitzpatrick almost got the pick six on that one. He went out at the three yard line. And so uh, that was one that obviously put him in great scoring position, but he did have a really nice drive too, in which he worked the ball down the field and eventually capped it off with uh, another rushing touchdown. And so uh, I think the biggest difference watching going, going from Trubisky to Pickett is just being able to see him move his eyes around the field. Like you can really tell on the all 22, he's not just staring down one receiver. He's looking over the middle of the field. He's looking at deeper reads. He's and then he's engaging in them and he's, he's throwing to those guys instead of just checking the ball down underneath. You can really see that show up in the yards per attempt. I know we're only looking at one half of sample size, but that was 9.2 yards per attempt for Kenny Pickett in the second half of the game against the jets. The last time that Trubisky has averaged, at least nine yards in a game you, you have he's done so once one time since 2018 and so he's just not a guy that do, does that at all and i think even when it comes to eight yards a game i believe it was three times since yeah. 2018 that he's averaged eight yards in a game and that's not that hard of a feat to accomplish and so uh just being able to see the difference between them and, and there were some cutups uh, on twitter as well of the all 22 and you can kind of just see those same type of reads where Trubisky's just not seeing that guy over the middle. And so I hope that's a trend that continues with Pickett's. Uh, It it was something that he was exceptional at in college, and it kind of drew me to him a little bit. And so we'll see if uh, he can keep that up. All right, we're going to move on to our next discussion topic. We're going to talk about Kenny Pickett in his first start. Uh, Before we get into the Bills game itself, let's give Pickett a grade against the Jets. And I know that you did this in your QB report card. So go ahead and start us off, Shane. So I gave him
0: a C plus because I felt like it was almost a completely, almost right down the middle type of debut for him. And I think that when you look at the turnovers, obviously the double, uh, excuse me, the play to pick it uh, excuse me, to Claypool, where he was double covered for the most part. The safety kind of came over late, but it was still a double covered play. He was trying to give him a chance to make a play. I understand the throw. I would have liked him to lead him farther outside away from Whitehead so he couldn't make a play on the ball. Once the ball was tipped up, but I give it kind of a 50, 50, where I would have rather him not throwing the ball, but also Claypool needs to make that play kind of situation. Mm You're six, four receiver. Yeah. We've seen this with him. Unfortunately, that's why I wanted him to be in the slot more because I didn't want as many jump opportunities, even though he should be good at that, that play, I kind of give 50, 50 blame the the second pick. That was just him being late to the outside. You don't want to do that as a quarterback. We all know that. When you do that, balls get tipped, they get intercepted, take back the other way. Like we've seen that happen millions of times. He needs to be better with that. Just throw the ball away, lives to see another down, especially whenever you're trying to keep a drive alive and keep the Jets from getting the ball back. He knows that. He talked about it, I'm sure. It that's the type of stuff that he does need to work on, but almost everything else. It's what we need to see from this offense, right? Like he did work the middle of the field. He trusted his eyes. He looked for guys. He didn't just lock on his first target. And that's what separates him, I think, at this point from Trubisky. Is I'm confident that he isn't going to just say, "Hey, I'm looking for my first read. If it's not there, I'm gonna have to make something happen." He is comfortable going to a second, third read, and then he can run. We see that. You know, he had two rushing touchdowns in this game. He's mm-hmm. able to make plays with his legs if required to, but it's not his second option on a lot of plays, right? And that's kind of what happened with Trubisky. And he wouldn't even pull the trigger on that most of the time when he did try to run. So, everything overall, I think when you look at it, It was an up and down performance, obviously, but he showed everything good about him as a quarterback and some of the stuff he needs to get better at.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go just a bit higher on my grade, but I agree with you for the most part. I got uh, a picket with a B- minus in his first Mm -hmm. NFL action. And the only reason is because, man, this is one of those games that if you are a box score checker, you are not going to be pleased with the results no, because it's not, not pretty. pretty. You you <laughs> go and you look at the box score, Pickett's got zero passing touchdowns. He's got three interceptions and he was credited with a fumble as well on the pitch to Jalen Warren. That yeah. was, mm-hmm. was, it was, a, it was a bad pitch. It was under, yeah, it, it was uh, yeah. under And so I uh, simply checking the box score, obviously is never a good way to evaluate no. the game. And in this no. situation is a perfect example of that because the two rushing touchdowns, they obviously don't aid in Pickett's passer rating at all. Like, had he had passed those balls in, which would have been the same result, still still 14 points for the Steelers, that would have bumped up his passer rating at least, helped the box score to look a little bit better. Uh, but it, 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 as it turned out, he ran those in for touchdowns, and, and it's the same result. Uh, I think that Pickett really only had one bad decision this whole game. And, and to me, that was the one trying to throw across his body, across the field yes. to Pat Fryermuth on that pass. I don't think the other pass to Claypool was a bad decision. It just wasn't a perfect throw. Like you want to yeah. see, like you said, you want to, you want to see that ball get out there a little bit farther, lead him more a little a bit closer to the sidelines so that the safety stays out of the play. And again, you've got a six four receiver against a five, nine defensive yeah. back. You are good with taking that one-on-one shot over there. He just needs to get the ball over a little bit more. And I expect Claypool to do a little bit better job fighting for that as well. But really, it comes down to one bad decision. I mean, obviously the end of the game, nobody should be counting that as an interception. No, you can't take a sack up, in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Exactly. The ball traveled 64 air yards. And so that's, yeah. it was a good throw. It was, it got clearly into the end zone where it needed to be. Just, uh, Steelers receivers weren't able to make it, a play on it. If anything, he might've thrown it too far, which is he probably did thing. actually yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'd rather see funny. that. I'd rather see yeah. that than like a dud that comes up short or something. Yeah, but for sure. No, I, I think, uh, I think we're kind of in the same boat there, uh, in terms of our grade for picket and, it was it was a little bit encouraging, I have to say, even considering the stats in that first game. Just because of some of the traits that we saw, the yeah. fire that he brought to the field, yes. his willingness to throw over the middle, mm-hmm. and he let it rip sometimes. Like that one where he took the lick in the chops oh. from Quinn and Williams, and mm-hmm. he had that dart to Friarmouth and in was just caught like two yards short of the end zone, and that was that was a great play. That was a grown man he play got, right there. Got up and laughed at the guy <laughs> hit him too. Like I he did. Was, I love his energy from it. him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So let's talk about the timing. We both mentioned last week on the podcast that ideally in a perfect world, we would have liked to seen Pickett come in at the, as soon as the Browns game was over with, like in Tomlin in that next press conference saying Pickett's our guy moving forward. Now we've got 10 days to prepare for the New York jets at home. This is not a great football team. And, And perhaps the results could have been different. I don't know. I mean, it was a 24 to 20 game. And uh, Pickett didn't get a ton of time of possession in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. And so uh, you you wonder if the results could have been different. Had he been able to prepare for that game as, as it had turned out though, it was Trubisky who took all the starter reps, Pickett took a backseat and Tomlin was obviously comfortable enough to throw him into the game as a rookie with no experience whatsoever to, to try to lead the offense after Mitch Trubisky struggled. I don't know if that was the right move or not. And so I'll, I'll start with you, Shane. Was the timing right for when we saw Kenny Pickett see his first NFL action? I think it clearly wasn't,
0: obviously. And I've, Again, we, you just talked about it and we talked about it last week. I think, obviously, if you want your rookie quarterback to come in and play, you want it to be as fruitful a situation for them as possible, which means they get all the reps that they can possibly get. They understand exactly what the game plan is going into the game. They have the opportunity to set the tone as the quarterback or the offense. And you're playing a team that, again, we should have been able to beat and we very well could have beaten, given it's going our way differently. right? Setting him out as his first true start against Buffalo, which again we're going to talk about that game next, but it's just asking a whole lot of him. And he is the kind of guy that I think is capable of living up to that moment, but I don't know if everyone else around him is. And that's kind of where we're at with this team is the fact that we're asking a rookie quarterback to hopefully save our season Kind of tells you where we're at as a football team right now. Mm -hmm. We have talent in certain places, but there are gaps on this roster. And with TJ Watt out, the defense doesn't have the cohesiveness that it had and everything they want to do doesn't work as well because of the lack of presence from him. Everything is kind of in this limbo period where the reason why we're going to pick it now and why Tomlin made this decision is because he understands, and we all understand, I think, as fans, that it's our really only chance of getting back into this season. And I would have much rather seen him have the opportunity to come out and set the tone as a starter against the Jets fully, obviously. And I think even the coaching staff probably feels the same way right now if they would have rather done it that way. But in the NFL, sometimes it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen, right? You can't always predict everything and make it perfect. So I do hope that it's not going to ultimately hurt him very much, and I don't think it will. It just doesn't seem like that's the kind of guy pick it is. But it definitely wasn't the
1: right time, I could say. Yeah, look, I mean – it's one of those situations. Like you said, it's always 2020 hindsight. And so we, we don't know how things would have played out. Like we can go back and and you and I were just talking about this uh, before the pod started was did the Steelers even make the right move by signing Trubisky this off season? Like if they, if they knew in their mind, like we want to get our rookie quarterback on the field as soon as possible. Uh, did they need to go and spend that money? W- would they have been just as well off signing Rudolph? Now, obviously, this is this is all in the past, and so we can see things uh, with that vision there, knowing that this is already unfolded. And so, um, obviously, looking at it now, no, and Trubisky signing Trubisky wasn't the right move, but they were covering their bases at the time. They were wanting to make sure that they had a quarterback because remember, Trubisky signing came before uh, the NFL draft, and so we were very confident the Steelers were going to draft a quarterback uh, and draft one in the first round, even. Uh, but they didn't know exactly how that would play out at the time. And so I don't fault them for that. Uh, but when we're talking about is the timing right, I would agree with you. I don't think the timing is right in in, in the term in sense of how the Steelers handled this situation. Like if my options are A, the Steelers start picket from the beginning of the season, B, they start him after the Browns loss and you got 10 days to prepare for the, the Jets, or C, you start him after the week nine bye. Like I think all three of those options would have been better than just having him jump into the fire again in the second half against the jets trailing, and then going into this rough, rough schedule coming up right now where you've got the bills on the road, bucks at home, dolphins on the road and Eagles on the road before the bye. Like, I mean, that is one of the toughest stretches any team will face this year. And so I'm a little bit worried about how that's going to go down. Uh, Looking at it now and knowing everything that we know, I wish the Steelers would have started Kenny Pickett from day one and just kind of live with their lumps. And and maybe he would be three games ahead of the curve right now. And maybe the Steelers, who knows? They, they might be sitting on a record that's a little bit better than three and one. It might just be two and two. But that game against the Patriots, like the Steelers, were only able to muster up 14 points. And they lost 14 to 17. And so maybe things would have played out a little bit differently. Uh, but we just don't know. But it is what it is. Pickett's the guy. Tomlin confirmed that moving forward. Um, how can the Steelers... Utilize his skill set moving forward. Like, I don't think that Trubisky's skill set was near, necessarily uh, perfectly utilized by Matt, Matt Canada. And I've said before that I think it was a very bad combination between uh, an offensive coordinator who designs plays to go to the first read and a quarterback who is willing to throw to the first read every time. And so uh, I, I don't think that was a good combination. I'm glad that the Steelers did make a change. But how do you think that Canada and the Steelers could kind of utilize his skill set in the future?
0: I think for sure that the thing that needs to happen is the middle of the field is, and it's naturally, we already saw it a little bit, even from Trubisky before he left and then when Pickett got in, that has to be the area of focus for him. Pickett was so, so good throwing over the middle of the field at Pitt and that's something that he's very comfortable with, right? He reads the field well there, you saw the throw, like we talked about before where we got pounded, but he still threw the ball right where it needed to be to fire over the middle that has to be a much bigger part of what they do. And I think Canada understands that. It even seemed like that was a, more of an emphasis this week. I haven't gotten a chance to go back and look at the routes and see how many of them were going over the middle of the field, but it definitely felt like you're getting more of that from the offense. And ultimately, like you need to let him do what he did also, which is escape the pocket whenever he needs to and throw the ball down the field to these receivers that should be able to make plays for him down the field. And we saw him with Pickens already. Like They have a very good rapport on the back shoulder stuff and the design kind of throw it up and go get it plays. But on top of that, when he, whenever he is rolling out, whenever he is trying to look down the field, instead of taking that five-yard play that Trubisky always took, we might be able to see more of the longer throws down the field off of those play action looks so that's what i think needs to be emphasized and of course run game is going to be part of that they need to be more effective there and in this game it was definitely pretty good it wasn't anything special but it was at least good enough to keep them honest and everything
1: yeah i just saw a post too um it it was about the play action percentage in the uh i'm drawing a blank right now it was a play action percentage and oh man I'm going to skip that because I can't think of what it is. But the Eagles, let me. the Eagles are number one DVOA. This team has done a lot of play action and they've done a lot of RPO. And I think that maybe the RPO is even a way that yes. uh, we can help out uh, Kenny Pickett in this regard. Just, just getting him uh, in, in a situation where his skill set can be utilized. And I'd also say, too, that I, I kind of want the Steelers to allow him to work, like allow him to make those adjustments at the line of scrimmage, yes. allow him to, if you, if he needs to escape the pocket, keep his eyes down the field. Like I would not be discouraging any of that kind of stuff. I would encourage it because uh, that's where Pickett wins best. And, and and so I think if they can kind of keep like up the same level of intensity that we, we saw in, in the first, in his first appearance against the jets in those two quarters there, um, I think that that could be good for him moving forward. Like I don't want him to get gun shy. Like that, that would be the worst no. thing for him is, yeah. is he if they go back the other that, way. Yeah. yeah. I mean that, that would be dev- devastating to a quarterback. And so definitely don't want to see him get gun shy, even with the three picks. I hope that his confidence is still through the roof. Um, I, I had heard that Ben Roethlisberger had messaged him afterwards and was talking Apparently. to him. He said that yeah. Ben said on that on his podcast. And so, uh, so I, and that's what I, I want to see kind of moving forward is I agree with you there. Um, just keeping his eyes down the field and continuing to to work the middle there. Um, what can we expect from Pickett now that he's the guy, like what can we expect moving forward? I think the biggest thing we can expect is a guy
0: who isn't going to be afraid, right? We, we talked about it a lot with Trubisky. You can tell that. And again, it's not all his fault. I think a lot of it is how he was treated in Chicago, the type of offense he ran for them, what they asked him to do, especially later in his career in Chicago. He was a player that kind of plays scared. He doesn't want to make mistakes. He's afraid to make them because he knows what it would mean if he makes too many mistakes. Pickett, one, isn't that guy already, but he can't become that guy, right? Like Canada has to let him take his lumps. she has to let him live through the moments that aren't so good. And even in this first game, he had the two picks. He knows that, especially the one was definitely a decision he would love to have back. And I don't think it's going to stop him from trying throws that maybe aren't the best idea sometimes, but they at least have explosive potential. And he needs to keep doing that. If he throws 18 interceptions this year, it won't matter if the next mm-hmm. year he's still the same player but smarter, right? It, it doesn't. It really doesn't matter. We've seen so many quarterbacks, like even Peyton Manning. We always talk. They always go back to him throwing like 28 or however many interceptions he threw as rookie. It ultimately doesn't matter as long as you have the mentality that yeah, I threw all those picks, but the next time that I get the chance to make that throw, I'm just going to make it instead of having it get picked off. Because we've seen, like we talked about this in the first game, especially where they did beat the Bengals. We still almost lost them with Burrow throwing four picks. Like picks matter, obviously, Mm -hmm. especially if you're facing an offense that can take advantage of those. But I'd much rather have a guy, and now we have that guy, who's going to take those shots down the field. who's going to try to fit balls into places where Trubisky was was just too afraid to throw them rather than continue to go
1: three and out half the game. Like I it just doesn't matter if you're safe, if you're not good. Yeah. And the worst thing that the Steelers could have done was continued on the same trajectory yes. and not changed anything up. Because what does it matter if you're throwing for one or maybe two touchdowns a game and not turning the ball over if you can only score fifteen points. And that's what right. was happening with Mitch Trubisky through his first three games is fifteen and a half offensive points per game. It's Just not good enough. And I agree with you there. I I would rather have a stat line at the end of the season where we're looking at Kenny Pickett throwing 18 touchdowns and 22 interceptions. If it's coming with an improved offense and it's helping the other players on offense improve. And then we can see that next jump next year where, okay, now it's time to cut down on the turnovers. You're making the big plays. I'd so much rather have that than to see a gun shy quarterback that averages six yards in attempt. Like there's just no way you can create a successful offense with that. The turnovers can go away eventually, but you can't fix like those quarterbacks that, that just continually check the ball down underneath. And that's kind of like a stat that it's been like through college in the NFL, you rarely see those quarterbacks change. Like the ones that are content throwing underneath in college, they do so in the NFL, uh, like Daniel Jones is is an example of that. Mitch Trubisky was another one. Those guys, they didn't have good yards per attempt in college. They didn't have it again in the NFL. And so uh, it's something that's kind of translatable. Now, Pickett, on the other hand, 9.7 adjusted yards per attempt in his final year at Pitt. That's an excellent number. Uh, we can't expect him to throw for nine yards attempt in the NFL. It's just not realistic. But, man, if he can be up in like the, the seven and a half mark or higher, like I would be very, very pleased with that. Like if he can finish the season out with that. So I, I hope that that's one thing that I want to expect to see uh, this season. And I, I wouldn't be betting on the Steelers to make it back to 500 or even within a few games of that, like it's very possible. This is just like a six or seven win team and they're going to have to live with their lumps, but I just want to see that continued improvement from Pickett, uh throughout the season. This is, this is a marathon now it's, it's not just a sprint to the finish line. And so uh, just, just trying to see that from him moving forward. And he's got a really tough schedule. So not just these next four games, but even after the bye, we've got the Ravens twice, uh, the Bengals, and we've got the Browns with Deshaun Watson. And so it's, it's, he's got a lot of tough games in his future against some really good quarterbacks. And I want to see if he can rise to that challenge and kind of go toe to toe with some of these guys uh, it, despite being outmatched in terms of talent and experience um, so if, if I can just see him be in these games, I mean, within a score, it, it, that would be what what I think would, would be a best case scenario, what we're kind of looking for moving forward. All right. If you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you'd like to support the Still Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. Let's get to our week five preview between the Steelers and the Bills. The Steelers are 14 14-point underdogs. Shane, this is the first time that the Pittsburgh Steelers have been 14-point underdogs since the NFL merger. I believe that was 1966, and uh, Mike Florio reported that this morning. So, first time since the merger that they've been 14-point underdogs. Do you agree with that opening line? I mean, it really – it's hard
0: to argue with i mean obviously the bills haven't looked their best after their first two games in the last two games the offense has been a little bit iffy especially against the dolphins having all that possession and only getting they ended up being 19 points or however many they scored but this is still the bills and it's a defense that they're playing that josh allen has struggled against for the most part but it's missing its keys piece like the the biggest piece of that defense right I just don't see a world where we keep them under, you know, thirty points, especially yeah. whenever you look at we're likely gonna have Witherspoon out, which I know he was struggling last couple of weeks, but still he's our, our top corner, especially from an athletic standpoint. Who's going to be on Stephon Diggs? Like, who's dealing with him? Like, can Gabriel Davis even be kept in check by whoever has to guard him? Like, so many things aren't really in our favor in this game, and you're starting a rookie quarterback for the first time, who is coming off of again not all his fault, but three turnovers and almost a fourth one. It's just so so much is going against them. I can't really argue with the fourteen point line. It's probably a little rich overall. Like, it's probably a good bet maybe to make, but Mm -hmm. it's still not surprising to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I would still have them covering, but right, I, I wouldn't sure, suggest, but... I wouldn't suggest betting on the Steelers this week. And look, everybody's going to, they're going to look at last year and say, Oh, the Steelers week one last year, they were able to to upset the bills yeah. 23 to 16. This is not the same situation. Not, I mean, I, I, I think that Josh Allen has taken that next step forward. The bills bolstered their roster. They got Von Miller. So now we got, we got to worry about Von Miller against Dan Moore. Uh and just, Everything as a whole, like this is Kenny Pickett's first start. It's coming on the road. It's coming against arguably the best team in the league. And if not the best team, then probably one of the top three teams right now. And so it's going to be a big, big challenge for the Steelers to be able to overcome. And a Steelers team that offensively has gotten worse since last year. Now, I'd expect their offense to eventually get better under Pickett instead of Trubisky. But this offense is, I mean, bottom of the barrel going against an outstanding defense right now. Uh, Let me throw, uh, I'm going to spit fire you some stats right here. The Bills defense through the first four games, they've allowed 234 yards per game. That's good for first in the NFL. 150.8 passing yards per game, also first in the NFL. Uh, They're allowing 14 and a half points per game. That's second in the NFL. They have three and a half sacks per game. That's six in the NFL and their total defensive DVOA. Uh, is second in the NFL. That is a really good defense, and it's not hard to see why. They've got depth everywhere, and their front seven is outstanding. Uh, two full rotations of pass rushers. I mean, it's just a really, really tough matchup for the Steelers, and so it's not hard to see why uh, the, the Bills were favored so heavily in this game. Not only that, but I do want to talk about Sean McDermott for a second as well. McDermott is 8-3 and all-time against rookie quarterbacks. So not only is Pickett a rookie, he's making his first start this week. So he's eight, McDermott is 8-3 and all-time against rookie quarterbacks. Uh, and in those 11 games, those rookie quarterbacks have thrown for a combined seven touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So it hasn't exactly yielded great results on the part of the quarterback. And if Steelers can't have that, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. Uh, let's talk about our injuries for a second, Shane. The Steelers—they're always so late to like on these injury reports and stuff. I feel like too, they just don't yeah, sort of shed a lot of light early they on. Try, they but try it, not to. Yeah, they, yeah, they—they they make us work for it. But it does sound like uh, Akella Witherspoon is probably going to be out again this week, just based on Tomlin's comments. I said last week, like I don't—I know that Witherspoon really struggled in week two and three, but that was a bigger loss than I think people realized last week because if Witherspoon had been on the field against the Jets last week then Arthur Millett would not have gotten just routinely picked on in that slot. That would have been Cam Sutton covering there. It would have, we've had, would have Witherspoon on the outside. And I think it, it could potentially make a difference in that game. And so having not having Witherspoon again for this week, that's rough because you've got Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in the league. That is a tough matchup for any Steelers corner. And Witherspoon is really the only one with a combination of, length and athletic traits that you want out there. Uh, Even as good as Sutton is like Sutton is he's undersized and he's a below average athlete. Just, just speaking factually based on his uh, measurable numbers. And because Sutton's a really good player, don't get me wrong, but when you have to bump everybody down a level and now Sutton is playing outside and Malette is in the slot and and Wallace, Levi Wallace is outside going against Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis. These are tough, tough matchups uh, we're going to talk about as well. So uh, it just, that, that one right there, the Witherspoon one can hurt them. The rest of the team, it looks like everybody is going to be good. Have you seen anything else, Shane? Uh, I haven't. It,
0: it does seem like everybody, even the guys were a little banged up because even Minka had I think like a knee thing briefly and Cam's been kind of dinged mm-hmm. up, which I mean when you're getting double teamed 80% of the time it feels like. That's it's, to be expected. It's Yeah, you're going to get banged up and I, I think Edmonds, I think should be good to go too, hopefully
1: from what I've seen. Yeah, concussion protocol um, for Edmonds, so yeah. I'm hoping he's back. He took a yeah. lick there on that it, yeah, he was, and he was yeah. playing for the ball. Some people said that, that's a dirty hit it was and he no, was just going trying, for the ball oh, there yeah. so uh yeah. and Edmonds, i think as i mean i think he had one rough game this year but i think yeah the rest for of the it is part been, he's been good yeah, yeah i think he's been pretty good and so that's a big loss too if they, they don't have him uh so hopefully he can get back on the field this week should be good to go uh let's move forward and talk about a matchup so I was kind of already touching on this a little bit shane so i'll let you go ahead and, and go first and talk about any matchups that you want to highlight yeah, and We already talked about this a little bit. I'm definitely concerned about
0: our ability to check these receivers for the Bills, especially, mm-hmm. obviously, Diggs and Davis are the two guys you have to really worry about the most. They have other supplementary receivers that you have to worry about, but for the most part, it's going to be them. McKenzie could obviously cause issues because of his speed. Who do you put on him to deal with? But with, with him, I'm more worried about, does mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs beat us deep? Does Gabriel Davis beat us deep? Does, like Those guys are just, they can get over the top. And with who we have at outside corner playing. It's not the the most you know speedy group of guys ever. You already talked about Sutton; he's a really good player, mm-hmm. just not a great athlete. Kind of same thing with Wallace. So they concern me a lot because all it takes is a couple of those big Josh Allen deep balls, and we're going to be in a hole that we probably can't crawl out of. Like it's just what it is. So
1: yeah, that could definitely be an issue this week. Like I can see the Bills kind of just running away with it, and I, I hope that's not the case, but. Again, you talked about those corners when we don't have Witherspoon. And and again, this is the problem. Steelers don't invest in their cornerbacks. When you have an injury, even to a cornerback who maybe you can just consider average, it really hurts the team because now you're forced to play a smaller, slower lineup. And Mallette, yeah. who is just historically bad as a 29-year-old, we've seen plenty of, of, of sample from him going back to his days with the Jets. He's not a cover corner. like that He is a poor man's... Mike Hilton, he needs to do his work near the line of scrimmage. He's best in run support, but he, he just routinely gets picked on in coverage. And so uh, I do worry about the receivers in this game against those cornerbacks. That's a big one. Uh, and then I want to talk about the offensive tackles against the pass rush just a little bit more here because Von Miller is just such a handful. Like having another great season on a Hall of Fame pace, obviously, but you have Von Miller going against Dan Moore. I think the Steelers are going to have to do very similar things that they did with Miles Garrett two weeks back. And you're going to have to routinely chip him with a tight end or a running back. And the only problem with doing that this week is in, the, in that Browns game, they didn't really have to account for anybody else. Like Javion Clowney was out that game. They didn't really necessarily need to shift any attention uh, in the direction of Chahuma Corfu on the other side, who I felt pretty confident about in that game. This game is a little bit of a different story because the, the Bills have pass rushers everywhere. Like it's, it's not just Von Miller. You got Boogie Basham. You got uh, AJ Epinesa playing on the other side, but then you have on um, uh, Randy R- 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 sure. Rousseau, Rousseau. Yep. And, and Rousseau is, is, he's a beast right now. And so yeah, I think that's well. it's going to yeah. be a handful and they can move these guys around. They can have them rush from the interior. It's going to be a tough matchup all around uh, for the Steelers offensive line, particularly the tackles. And I'm not sure if you can allocate quite as much help to Dan Moore this week But I think that's going to kind of have to be the game plan because I just don't trust Dan Moore being left on an island at any point with Von Miller. So I think that that was one that could kill them. It's 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 tough because again you also have to remember that the Bills have been able to do all of
0: this pass rush with four rushers like they they do mm-hmm. not they have the lowest if not they have to have I think at this point the lowest blitz yeah. percentage I don't even think I have to look that up it's going to be under ten percent like they just don't have to do it and if if they can get to pick it with a four man rush it's going to be a long day it just is like you can't expect you know, Pickett in his first start mm-hmm. to pick apart a defense that has seven guys in coverage like you just you can't do it so if they have to bring more guys in if they have to go into tighter packages, keep things condensed just to get the offense moving, then fine. But I really am concerned about that for sure.
1: It's a huge concern. And that's not even counting like at Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan right, Phillips. I mean, guys, the interior yeah. guys who can also get after quarterback, it's scary because you just don't know who to account for. Obviously you have to, you have to shift towards Vaughn's direction. Yes, and knowing that yeah. that Dan Moore has been the weakest link on the offensive line as well. But I, I agree those are the two biggest matchups for us. Steelers, defensive backs, uh, and uh, going against a talented Bills wide receivers and Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and then their offensive tackles going against a really, really talented pass rush this week. So that's one that could kind of spoil the game right there. Uh, a couple big plays is all it takes. So what? let's go back to Kenny Pickett for a minute. And I, I want to ask you, what are your expectations for him in this game? Can he keep it? somewhat close with josh allen is he gonna statistically how's he gonna look what do you think i think my expectation despite playing a very tough bills defense and having
0: josh allen across from him putting pressure on i do still expect it to be probably the best overall performance by a quarterback this year for us right i I think Mm -hmm. that it's just everything is set up for him to hopefully just take reign of the offense, do what he does best. And I think we could put up a decent amount of points, not enough to probably actually compete with the bills ultimately. And I think part of why we'll have more points is we'll probably get opportunities because they're going to score a lot. Uh, I'm just worried about that too. Mm -hmm. Defense not being on the field a lot because they'll they'll be on it just not that long because they'll get a lot of big drives. But I just feel like what he showed even last week without all the reps is about as good as we've seen a quarterback for this team. Right. I think Mm -hmm. that he can do more of that well, and I think he'll be able to handle the pressure. I just wonder, is he going to be able to, like you said, keep pace with these guys? That's what I think is hard to expect, but I wouldn't be surprised
1: if we score the most points on offense, especially, that we put up this year. So let me ask you this. In the first three games, Steelers uh, were averaging 189 passing yards a game. Not great. The Bills are giving up 150 passing yards through four games. It, where would you set the over under this week for Pickett's passing guards
0: i think honestly so i will say you have to factor in in the dolphins game the dolphins barely had the football so that is going to mm. knock it down a little bit the rams couldn't protect matt stafford in the first they just straight up couldn't protect him yep. like i mean the pass defense for them is very good but it, it was helped very much by the pass rush for sure and even even against the you know the ravens right like they aren't a passing centric offense, even though it's been more of that this year with Lamar playing so well. They still are a run-first team, so I think that number is a little skewed. I think that realistically they're they're more of about like a 200 ish yards per game type of pass defense so i would put Mm -hmm. the over under probably around 180 and i think he hits that over just because he's gonna have to i think just to keep pace right like he's gonna have to make a couple plays just to keep us in the game
1: yeah if you set that over if if the over under is 180 i'm gonna take the over on that and i think that that's probably pretty fair uh but again yeah it's it all depends because if the bills get up two three scores I mean, they might play prevent defense and allow some chunk plays over the middle. And so uh, not always the best way to assess, but just interesting for, from a betting standpoint, at least. Yeah. um, And to see how that could play out. But I, I I do agree with you though. I, I would expect even this game being Pickett's first start on the road against a great team. I would still expect the best offensive output that we've seen from the Steelers this year, just because it was so miserable under Trubisky and I, I think at the very least, I think they can match what they did last week against the Jets. And so uh, I, I would have to agree with you there. I, I think it's, it's going to be one of those games. And hopefully it's an encouraging sign against a really talented defense and a good overall team. Uh, so what is your key to success this week for the Steelers? What is the one thing the Steelers have to do to have even a chance to win this game? They have to force a couple turnovers on defense. Like okay. it's just it's a requirement
0: against a team like the Bills. Like you have to kind of let, make them beat themselves, right? Like you have to put them in bad positions and, and get some turnovers. Let the offense keep them off the field more than they will naturally. Because if it's just blow for blow, we kind of know we're not on the level of the Bills, right? Like we can't <laughs> excuse me go blow for blow with them at this point. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to get a couple turnovers, like a big play, like a block punt, like we had last year when we beat them a big play in special teams, something along those lines that isn't normally expected to happen in a game. It's it's, going to be one of those types of things. And I think outside of that, it's going to be protecting Kenny, like give him enough time to actually read the field and make the throws. And I think if you can do that against that four-man rush and you force them to bring extra guys, well, that opens things up even more for them. So that's going to be the two main things I think they need to do.
1: Yeah, you hit my key there too. Uh, Outside of the takeaways, which I agree with, they're going to have to win the takeaway battle. They're not going to win a game without it. Yeah. Uh, not against a team like this, at least. And so I think the key to the game, like you mentioned, was protect. is going to be protecting Kenny Pickett. If you don't give him time in the pocket and he's not able to make plays and we see another stagnant offense yet again, there's no way that you can go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen in this game. There's just no way. And so if, if it's one of those games where he's just constantly under duress, uh, I mean, the Steelers' chances are going to be very, very slim. So I want to see a good pocket from Sears' offensive line, I want to see them looking for ways to help. And hopefully, they don't have to like max protect or anything that way and, and limit what they can do in the passing game. Uh, but hopefully, that they can do a good enough job chipping on Von Miller and keeping Pickett well protected long enough that he can stand in the pocket and, and, and rifle some of those throws down the middle, kind of like he did against the Jets, just hopefully without the takeaways this time, the turnovers. So let's get on to our predictions and we'll wrap up the show for today. Uh, like we said, 14 point margin is the biggest in Steelers history going back to the merger. What is your score prediction for the Steelers versus Bills in week five? So, I have a 34 24
0: Bills. I, I do think they come okay. away with the win. I think they do it relatively comfortably, like the spread suggests. But I, I do think that it's going to be a, at least a little closer than a two touchdown spread. Like this team just generally doesn't lose by that much, especially. Whenever you're having a situation where you're putting in a rookie quarterback and expecting so much of them, like I have a feeling there's going to be a little bit of magic, just just enough to kind of keep it close, and then probably Bills put it away late, and maybe we get a, a one more drive to kind of make it look a little closer. But it's just it's a lot to ask for them to beat this team, and I I'm not expecting it obviously. And if they do it, fantastic. But. I've been unfortunately right for a couple of games in a row and it's been because I picked against this, against this team. So
1: yeah. And I've been on the optimistic side, which mm-hmm. is not always usual for me. And they let me down like these they last did, couple of yeah. weeks. I'm like, they can't get yeah. over that 20 point hump on oh, offense.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so I, I got to pick the bills this week. I've got the bills winning 31 to 20. Um, and I just think it's unwise to pick the Steelers. Like you're, yeah. you're really going out on a limb this week. Uh, against the biggest spread that we've seen since 1966, and so uh, I've got the Bills winning this one. I do have the Steelers covering that 14 point spread, okay, yeah. um, and and you do too, right? And so yeah. and and then if you're a betting person, we also we're both taking the over on the point total this week, which is set at 46 and a half points. I think that, I mean, without TJ Watt getting any pressure on Josh Allen, it's hard to envision yeah. him like not having a pretty solid day offensively. Um, and, and again, probably miss the Keller Witherspoon. And so I can see a situation where Josh Allen feeds. I think, uh, Shane and I both agree. This is going to be like one of those 30 plus point defensive performances Two our defenses kind of due for one of those. And especially against a matchup like this. Uh, so this might not yield the results that we're looking for, but it's kind of one of those games we're going into. Maybe we could be a little bit more relaxed and saying, all right, this is the, the Kenny Pickett era. We, we don't expect things to be perfect. But we want to see those traits. We want to see the development from Pickett and Pickens and Fryermouth and and some of those younger guys across the board. And so hopefully we see a lot of encouraging things, and hopefully the Steelers can keep this one close. Uh, Shane, do you have any other thoughts to close this out? Other than just the fact that, again, I'm, I'm just excited that we're going to get
0: to see Kenny Pickett hopefully the rest of the season and see what we have in him so yes. that we, we kind of know what we're getting into in the future here.
1: Yes, and and how big of a curveball that would that have been if Tomlin said no, I want to go back to Trubisky, the, the like in his post game press he conference.
0: Apparently, said that he thought about it because of the familiarity with the Bills. Yeah, it really throws me off because like the problem with that ultimately is that guess who also is very familiar with uh, Trubisky. Yes, <laughs> so and not that they need to be because they kind of know the the book is out on Trubisky. So I'm not sure what the point would have been there, but. If he can give some advice to Kenny on certain things, maybe awesome, but that's the best value he brings right now is just that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, and and I've written about it multiple times. Once you make that decision to go with your franchise quarterback, he is your quarterback from here on out, and nothing barring an injury, that's the only way that you go back to anybody else. You cannot shatter his confidence. You cannot hurt his development in any other way. He's got to be that guy, and that's what worries me about this four-game stretch coming up here before the bye week. I hope he can handle it well. And if he can be respectable, even like above Trubisky level in these four (laughs) games against really good opponents, then that'll be an encouraging sign. That's something that we want to see him come away with. All right. That's all for us today. Thank you for joining us on the still curtain podcast. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the still curtain podcast, wherever you get your podcast and also check us out on YouTube.